Um, you'll have to excuse me a little if um, I have to keep playing around with my glasses because as most of you know, I'm going a bit blind. Uh, I'm now registered partially sighted, so I have to kind of fiddle a bit to be able to see what I'm, what I'm doing. But um, just to talk to you about our years in Thailand, most of you know that we went to Thailand, when I was 25, with a one-year-old daughter, um, Ron and I went to, to Thailand. And it was a real joy and a real privilege when, when we were there. We lived there for uh, more than 20 years and really had a, the most lovely time. It was a wonderful place and a great joy to, to live there. But what I want to talk to you about this morning really is the simplicity of life over there. Um, when we went, we had to make some decisions, some choices of how we were going to live. We had kind of gone with the aim and the desire to see people hear about Jesus and to come to know the Lord and to build churches over there to glorify the Lord. So we kind of had to make a decision as to how we were going to live so that we could actually see that come to fruition. And we chose to live as a, a school teacher, kind of middle of the road, so that that gave us accessibility both to lower class people. Thailand is a very class structured society. And so it was a bit difficult sometimes to bridge all the gaps. But living as a teacher enabled us to bridge quite a few of those gaps and to be able to reach all the people that we wanted to get in touch with. And um, when we went there, most of the time we lived in a two bedroom house that was on stilts and uh, we didn't have a lot of space. Uh, we, you know, we acquired other children over the years and we're still living in the same kind of house. Um, but one time we lived in a real village village. We were uh, living by the side of a river and the river was where we washed our clothes and um, where food that needed to be kind of washed if there was a fish that was for dinner it got seen to at the riverside but the water was not very clean and we didn't drink that water by the way we did catch rainwater to drink so um, we didn't drink the river water but we did most other things with it and we decided that we would um, we would sink a well rather than just live with the river water. And so we sank the well, we got local people in and, and kind of said to them, look, we want to put a well in here. And they thought we were a bit crazy, but they went with it and went with the flow. And they helped us to sink this well. And um, we had water, cleaner water. And then when we had sunk the well, and the Thai came to us, the Thai village people around us came in and said, you know, we have a saying that says, if you're mean with the water of the well, it will dry up. But if you're very generous with the water in the well, then it will keep flowing. And we got the message that they were saying, well, we would like to use it as well. And so we just said, well, we're very happy for that. You come and do whatever you want to do. Uh, if you want to do your washing, then come and do it. This was right outside our back door in our back garden. 
And so we had all these people from around us, from the village and the area around that used to come in and they would use, um, they would use the water from our well. And so they all congregated outside our back door. And I thought, well, this is just amazing because suddenly without really kind of anticipating all that it would mean, people were there and would sit and talk to us, not in a very kind of stilted way of trying to reach them um, kind of just in a difficult way, but just sitting there doing the washing and washing their clothes. And they would say to us, why have you come? And what, what is your aim in kind of coming to Thailand and learning Thai? And the simplicity of being able to talk to people while they were doing their washing um, in the end, we had to concrete the area around the well because it became a bit of a mud bath. But it was just a wonderful way to reach people very simply um, with the gospel. And, and the simplicity of living just in those kind of ways um, made it very, very good for us. We, we never, in the whole of the time we were in Thailand, I don't think we ever had a flush toilet. Um, we had always had a toilet, <laughs> you'll be pleased to know. It was usually a squat pot and we used to flush it by taking a bowl of water from um, a bigger pot in the bathroom or the toilet and just chucking it down the squat pot. And when we were coming home on a, an aeroplane one day, um, Jenny by that time, my eldest daughter was five, I think, and we were sitting on the plane and coming back and uh, she kept saying to me, mummy, I need to go to the toilet. I need to go to the toilet. And in the end, the stewardess came up to me and she said, is your daughter all right? I think maybe there's something wrong with her stomach. She needs to go to the toilet quite often. And I said, no, her, to her, her, her stomach is absolutely fine. She's just absolutely amazed at this magical toilet with a button on it that you could press and the, the water would flow down. She had never seen a flush toilet in her life and thought it was just amazing. So the simplicity of just living sometimes just enabled us to be able to reach people um, much more easily and much more readily with the gospel. And then we also tried to practice a, a simplicity in hospitality. Um, we, every month, by, we lived in a, a, a town that was probably about 100,000 people. We were the only foreigners in there. And dotted around us, we had managed to um, plant 28 small church groups. And so they all had Thai leaders in them. Um, but these leaders didn't have much in the way of education. Mostly they were four years educated in schools and then back to working the land um, as farmers. And so every month we would arrange for them to come into our house. So every month we would have 30 men that would appear at our door and they would stay for two or three days and we would feed them three meals a day, rice and something or the other. Um, and 30 of them would use our bathroom and toilet and just sleep on bamboo mats all over our floor. And it was just a very simple way of living with them and being just alongside them 
and teaching them uh, from the Bible. And it was just an open, simple way of just showing them hospitality. And then also the young people who, from these 28 same groups, would come together and they would come into our home very early in the morning sometimes and they would decorate my home. And you'd have no say in where anything was moved or went or they would make their own decorations. And then in the evening we would have anything from 50 to 80, 90 young people and they would come in and they would gather to meet and to praise the Lord and to live together and, and just sleep on our floor. Sometimes you'd move a blanket and think, oh my goodness, I'll just pick up this blanket and you'd pick it up and find that there was somebody sleeping underneath it and you'd have to put it back <laughs> and think, oh wow, how did that come about? They'd just fallen asleep on the floor. Um, and the first time that they came in, I didn't remove the toothbrush and toothpaste from the, from the bathroom and realised afterwards that I should have done because 20 or 30 of them had used the same toothbrush that was actually mine. And so the next time I realised that we would have to buy a few toothbrushes and put them in the bathroom so that they could use those and at least keep the toothbrush uh, a little bit private and a little bit kind of for our own use. But it was just a real joy to see them coming into the home and feeling at home because we were able to offer them a simplicity in the hospitality that we had. Um, one day, just to give you some idea, we had an old lady that appeared at the door with her daughter and the daughter said to me, um, mother is unwell and she thinks she's dying. Nobody in her family or that lives with anywhere near her is a Christian and she doesn't want to die in non-Christian surroundings. So she wants to come and die in your house Gosh. and I thought oh my goodness I don't know what to do with this so I said to her well granny you're welcome here anytime you know that so just take your mat that I slept on on rattan mats that they just put on the floor I said just put your mat anywhere that you want it to be and we will see how that goes and you know you're welcome and so when I came into the house afterwards I discovered that she had gone into our bedroom and she had put her rattan mat right at the foot of our bed and she was intending to sleep there for the next few nights um, until she thought she was going to glory just to stay with people who she thought would um, talk to her about the Lord and she would go and die in a, in a Christian place. I have to say that the old lady did this several times while we were there. She never once died. She always <laughs> fully recovered. And we, we used to call her daughter and she would go back home again and be quite happy to live for another few months or years in the house where she was. Um, but it was just a simplicity of hospitality. And then lastly, a simplicity of things. Um, in Thailand, people shared things. And there were times when we were living in a village and I was the only person with shoes. And because houses were always opened in Thailand, you open the door, we didn't have any glass windows, so that was just easy. But you would open the door early in the morning and it stayed open the whole day. And people would just 
they didn't understand a, a shut door. And so they would just come up on your house and just shout, hello, anybody in? And they would walk right in and pick up things. And, you know, the first thing they would do is pick up this. And so this is nice. Where did you buy it? How much did it cost you? There was absolutely no sense of anything kind of being restricted. And with the with shoes, they would just come to me and say, they'd shout from the door and say, Marge going to the market, I'm taking the shoes. And I'd say, okay. And off they would go with the pair of shoes that I'd got at the front door. And then somebody else would come and say, Marge, where's the shoes? And I'd say, no, so-and-so's got them. They're gone for the, for the morning. And so that we had these communal shoes that were just there for people to borrow. Um, we had an old Honda motorbike that was our form of transport in those days um, that Ron and I both drove and used. And we would leave it downstairs under the house with the keys in it. And if people were really desperate, they would just shout and say, I'm borrowing the bike. And we'd say, okay, you know, and they would just take the bike and drive off and come back. And sometimes it would appear a little bit more scratched than it was before, but whatever it was there for people to use um and things were just not a problem one day um a lady from a neighboring village to us had her seventh or eighth child and somebody said to me oh you know she's just had this new baby and i thought well i'll go and take her something so I bought some talcum powder and which you wouldn't do these days, obviously now people don't use it, but then they did. And I bought a couple of little tops that for, for a newborn. And I went out to visit this lady who lived 13 kilometers from where I was and went out on the bike. And I gave her these things. And she said to me, wow, now I have everything that the baby needs. And I couldn't believe it because the baby was there and in a little hammock that she had tied up, a pile of clothes, soft clothes in the bottom of the hammock and the baby was laying in the hammock there and covered over with another set of clothes. And there were six kids and mum and dad and this was number seven. And they loved that baby to bits and it was going to get picked up whenever it cried. She was going to feed it whenever it needed anything to eat. It had everything it needed. And I looked and I thought, there's no high chair, no pram, no jumper, jumping thing in the doorway. There's no nappies, no sterilizer. There was nothing. But this baby was going to grow up loved and cared for and I thought sometimes we just overdo things and you know we just have such a a treasure in things sometimes but life in Thailand was very simple but please don't get me wrong I have no objection to things and if the Lord has blessed you with things I do not think it's wrong but I think it very much is a heart attitude. And I think it is how, do, how much do we run after these things? How much do we set ourselves to get them? And I think it's harder in the West. 
since I've come home. Um, you go into a supermarket and you need a degree to choose your own breakfast cereals. There's so many of them. Mm. And you're bombarded with go for the next grade up, the next iPhone. You know, you're on an iPhone 4 and they tell you it's now 10 and it does this, this, this and this. And you, you feel that you, you are behind, that you're lacking, that you're, you're not up to where you should be if you don't go for the latest thing all the time. And you're bombarded with advertisements and social media that pressurizes you to go for the things. And I think it's much harder, but I think we just have to determine in our hearts that we will aim for what the Lord gives us as our goal and not aim for the things. And it's how you hold them. Don't hold them so tightly. If, if somebody really, really is in need, then let go a little bit and let it go and just see the Lord give it back. So that's my experience and harder here. And I'm still trying hard to hold things lightly. And sometimes I'm a bit discouraged with myself when you come home after 40 years overseas and you can get everything into two suitcases, it's a bit discouraging <laughs> that you don't have more in life. But hold things lightly and, and I'm still trusting the Lord that I'll do that. Thank you. That's my experience. Father, we do thank you that for each of us, you have a plan and a purpose. And Lord, we... We just need to to know what your will is for us. Mm. Lord, not to compare ourselves and look and say, well, I'm not like that, not doing that. I'm, I'm doing things wrong. But to just say, Lord, what is your will for me? And help me to go really hard, full tilt for that will of God as Jesus did, not to go after the things that, that are so so easily father we just get sidetracked and our vision goes to other things and i pray that you will help me and help each of us to keep our eyes fixed on the vision that you have for us and the will of god for us that we'll just follow hard after that and and just trust you that you will provide all that we need to do that in jesus name amen, amen. Oh, man. Thank you very much.